0: it's time all right welcome back guys <laughs> Ew, <laughs> <you started this? laughs> welcome back guys um thanks for tuning in um we are currently located in a different location today while recording holly's parents house <laughs> <laughs> cat sitting
1: yes cat sitting for sure
0: and it's raining out And the cat just keeps meowing at the rain. (laughs) He wants to go outside. So bad. Um, So you just got back from a little vacay. I did.
1: And I have to show you something.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) We have to stop getting nervous every time one of us says that. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface this for our audience. The last two times I've gone on vacation, I've had a visitor in my apartment.
0: Excuse me, a A ghost. ghost.
1: So, in January, when I went to Mexico, I have this little camera in my living room, and basically I have it so I can see my cats when I'm gone, (laughs) 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 because I miss them when I'm gone. And so, in January, I showed you, I showed you, Danny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. A video Mm -hmm. of this little orb blob. (laughs) That moved across the camera. And my camera it looks is, like a fairy almost. It, 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 oh my god, it was so weird looking. It's a motion detecting camera. So it's not always on. It only turns on when it detects motion. And so it was so weird. It was like this weird orb thing that came out of the couch, came right at the camera, and then moved out of the screen. Excuse me? And it happened in the middle of the night in, in January when I was in Mexico well, it happened again at 3:30 a couple nights ago when I was still on vacation I have to show you the new video
0: uh, let me see it okay I'm nervous I wish people can see like my
1: the last time I I showed you the
0: one in January you were like
1: Bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah because I think I went over and watched your cat yeah. and I heard some fucking noises and I got freaked out yeah
1: you're like I knew there was a ghost there
0: are you gonna watch what <laughs> That looks like dust
1: But it's not Because Let me see it again The camera For one You can see it go Small to big
0: That's true Let me for see For two
1: The camera misses Picking up the cat Sometimes Moving How is it going to Pick up fucking dust
0: <sighs>
1: And this was the one From Right now That's not it I'll show you the one From January
0: Was that like a Sex tape That you're
1: about to show me No <laughs> See, Marley was looking at it over there, and then it goes right there. Oh yeah, that
0: looked like a fairy. <laughs> it's an, yeah, you got something. I mean, orb. When you live in apartments, e- people die in apartments, to be honest with you. Especially when they're older. When they're older, there's like history in apartments, you know. Um, so it kind of it, it makes sense if it could be like a spirit. Yeah, I think it definitely is, you but know? a good spirit hopefully you think I think it is well I mean hasn't done anything yet
1: no do you remember (laughs) I have this psychic circle um I don't mess with it anymore just in case but it's not a Ouija board (laughs) it's like a positive version of a Ouija board it's meant to connect with spirits that are good spirits not bad spirits well danny and i did it once like seven years ago Mm -hmm. in In my apartment in my old
0: apartment and it was crazy but i won't do it anymore it told us that it kept saying something about fire and it basically told us that someone died in that apartment or apartment complex from a fire yeah but we never looked it up did we look it up no i couldn't remember if we did or not it was crazy. But anyway, guys, um we believe in spirits. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that has nothing to do with today's nothing. episode. <laughs> but like we believe in that and um you should too. Anyways, welcome to your honest BFFs. What? What's, what's up, up dog dogs? oh you got it with me
1: yeah I knew it was coming you so got I had to FOMO jump in. or
0: what yeah <laughs> so today um, we've had some people will kind of request the same thing um, lots of so people so we are going to talk about early childhood impacts on adult relationships
1: yes and we're going to preface this with when we do talk about our childhood, we know our parents did the best that they could. And we're not really here to tell anyone else's story because we're the open books, but they're not choosing to talk about it. So we just want to make sure that everyone knows that and what we choose to share. <laughs> Absolutely. It's <laughs> um, because it's more related to us. Yeah. And we're not going to share too too much to protect people that we care about absolutely
0: but we're going to share enough t- for everybody to kind of get the idea and to you know help anybody else that may have similar childhood um impacts mm-hmm. on their adult relationships anyways do we even um, start on this i topic? don't even know where we start um <sighs> should we just so i'm just gonna go into kind of how i grew up a little bit um i grew up in a very like a non-traditional household meaning my dad was a stay-at-home dad and my mom was the one that was going to work every day um that's something that you know they decided when my brother and i were younger um my mom has been working for the same company for over 25 years um she's a badass Yes, she is. Um, Both of my parents grew up from single-parent households raised by their moms. Um, My mom grew up with four other brothers and sisters, so there was five of them, and then my dad grew up with two older sisters. With that being said, when they wanted children, um, and they both moved moved a lot when they were younger, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Okay. So a couple of things when, and this is just from what I've been told also through my parent from my parents, cause I've been kind of open about like things that I've struggled with. And when I went to therapy, I, you know, I kind of made it a point where I wanted to let my parents kind of know what, what I was talking about in those sessions. Um, it helped me, but it also like, it, it kind of put the ball in a different court than my own And kind of let people know, like you know, this is what I was feeling. This is how I am feeling currently. And but I'm, you know, going to move forward, and in hopes that maybe people will change certain behaviors and whatever. Right. So I was told, you know, my parents both my parents, when they were younger, they moved around a lot. They never had a group of like childhood friends. This there's a meaning behind all this, by the way. So um, they so we grew up me my brother grew up in the same house for 23 years now and so we had made those childhood friends my parents also didn't want us going into any daycares so that's why my dad was a stay-at-home dad my dad struggled with that because you know it's not typical especially back then for a man to stay home with their dad mm-hmm. with that being said my dad was kind of in control of my brother and my brother and I's emotions, essentially, right? Um, which we all know that men aren't very good at dealing with their emotions. So, like, women are just more naturally able to, um, I think, nurture kids a little bit more when it comes to mm-hmm. their emotions. I Have more patience, I guess. Let's say that. We have more patience, I would say. So, my brother generally and I... Speaking. Generally, yeah. Um, so, there's a lot of, like, different very non-traditional things in my household and I know that my dad did his best 100% and there's no shame towards that um but when you grow up um as you know with always seeing the dad at home right um there was a lot more anger and um then we also just didn't know how to communicate what we were feeling very effectively Mm -hmm. we kind of always communicated that through anger and that's just given kind of and not aggr- anger in a way where like aggressive anger just feeling overwhelmed it was just expressed through anger like uh, patients were running thin it's just expressed through anger um my dad also wasn't like the dis- disciplinary person so my mom had to play the bad cop but anyway so we, me and my, my brother and I grew up not really knowing how to communicate our emotions and what we're feeling um, in a healthy way I should say so I didn't start working on those things until I was 24 I think 24 25 I', I in, in between that time is when I started to really work on it meaning I went to therapy for the first time at that age mm-hmm. um just and also other things were going on in my life but it had to do with relationships that I were that I was in romantic relationships that I was in kinda led me to the decision of going to therapy actually. And in that therapy session I learned that I mirror my parents' relationship. And I'm not gonna go into extreme detail about certain things just for like kind of what you said earlier. Um so which made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And there was and I mirrored it in a way of things maybe that I didn't really like like but I was just like subconsciously I was just doing it because I grew up it's like a learning role. It's the only thing role. that you know. And that's that's the things with, like, like parents do the best that they can. Um, and I just want to say this. Like, if you're a parent – I'm not a parent. You're not a parent. But, like, I just know if you're a parent, you're going to fuck up your kid in some type of way. Yeah. It's going to happen. You can just choose <laughs> sometimes on, like, the significance mm-hmm. of the trauma, I would say. Some things are just 100%, uh, 100% avoidable. But also some things are just – you don't know what's happening because maybe you're just not um aware Mm -hmm. of it or you're just doing it for the first time well exactly and just given uh, what you know right yeah um that's all parenting is you parent on what you know and you learn as you go especially if it's your first kid and that's that's why i'm saying like parents you're gonna fuck up your kid in some type of way like you really are so there's really no avoiding that (laughs) um it's gonna happen with that being said, so I went to therapy and I found out that I pretty much mirrored my, my parents' relationships and I did not know how to communicate effectively. And, um, um, also like I struggle, I'm a very emotional person and I get that from my dad's side. Um, my dad and his side of the family are very emotional, um, when, when you are when you are emotional, it, I truly feel like it's important to be able to manage your emotions at certain points and times, right? And I w- in certain situations, they're just more dramatic of emotions. Um, so I had to learn how to do those things, but also I had to learn how to communicate what I'm feeling. And that's very, very mm-hmm. hard if you never grew up in a house where yeah. that is we communicate about what we're feeling and it's okay for what you're feeling. Um or just feel different things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, so long story short, like I kind of grew up having some anger problems. I, my, I would say like my brother also too has some anger problems and that's just kind of what we saw. Not physical or like crazy anger problems, Just, um, just struggle with that, expressing it. Um anyways so in relationships i have learned that my communication skills sucked <laughs> <laughs> and i also um didn't um effectively show my emotions in a healthy way i should say that makes sense um so that i would say like yeah that's like the number one thing i would say um and how like my childhood has impacted my romantic relationships and actually i would say just like relationships in general whether they're friendships um because i've burned some bridges with some people um given how i was able to communicate or share my emotions effectively Mm -hmm. um so the two biggest mm -hmm. things you had to
1: learn were how to communicate in romantic relationships because you didn't learn that from your childhood but how
0: to communicate my emotions and what i'm feeling without automatically going to anger and showing it and expressing it through anger which obviously is going to cause problems when you are constantly doing that right there's like no context so whoa what's going on here (laughs) so like for example like i when sometimes when i would get angry so when i get mad i cry Mm -hmm. and um that was my cat (laughs) oh (laughs) it's like what the hell was that noise (laughs) um when I get mad I cry not so much anymore but a lot of the times it's because maybe like I'm uh I don't know how to explain it I don't know how to explain it no I
1: think when you would get frustrated by things sometimes you would start to cry and I think you've learned how to get your frustration out that it doesn't feel as overwhelming where before yeah. maybe you would cry because it was felt like super overwhelming and you didn't know how to yeah. feel it and, and now i, s- I feel like you feel it
0: yeah and probably because i've learned also how to process shit better true <laughs> which also helps you deal with certain emotions that are brought on in certain situations mm-hmm. you know they, maybe you don't feel them as intensely when you learn how to process them in a healthy way um that probably explains it to be honest with you i just figured That's it fair. out <laughs> so a lot
1: of what you've learned as you've gotten older has been around not only communicating but learning how to communicate and properly express what you're feeling
0: it sounds yeah. like that I was struggle yeah big thing you didn't learn. I struggle with emotions and that's one thing that um either I wasn't receiving from my parents or it was shown to me in a different way and so like I only knew how to express it or communicate it through one action which was angry fair right and mm-hmm. my mom wasn't my mom my mom had to bust her ass and work so i she was gone before me my brother really went to school um and then home and we were kind of already time to go to bed type of situation um so i missed out on a little bit of the uh like i said earlier like i just feel like women are better at um maybe expressing their emotions or showing children how to express their emotions, mm-hmm. the nurturingness. Just and, like sitting in it with yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying all women, but just I feel like naturally we are able to do that just a little bit better than men. Yeah, from so, a biological standpoint, yeah, it's and I, a little bit more in women's yeah, DNA. Yeah, and I missed out on that. And my mom has admitted that 100%. Um, but at the same time, like there was just certain things that were going on that like... Obviously, my parents had to make certain sacrifices that worked for them. Um, How would you say your parents did show you love? Oh, like... Um,
1: because I think it's good to think hugs about and all of the ways that our parents can show us love. So, it's not just one way. is universal. So I was, uh, So
0: I'm going to say this. So my dad was a fun dad. <laughs> he felt bad to discipline us, so my mom had to come home and be the bad cop. But my mom really was is the affectionate one hugging and kissing and we were always told that that we were like i love you like all those different types of things like bedtime when my mom was able she would sing us and sing to us and tuck us in um she would make us feel special like she would do all of those like little things um there was just that missing that one missing piece which was like the emotional standpoint of Mm -hmm. just like Because we were we always saw it from my dad so like you know when you're yeah I don't know how to explain that my dad was just my dad was the cool dad the fun dad we always did fun stuff and be reckless sports like me and my dad that's bonding oh my god yeah and that's super funny because we were just talking about that yesterday because we celebrated Father's Day late because he just got back from being at work and I like brought up. I'm like, Oh, you know, what's like one of your favorite memories. And his was literally waking up early on weekend mornings and going to softball tournaments. Oh, I know. Right. So, (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. And again, like nobody's perfect. There's no perfect parent out there that are doing the best that they can. Majority of them. Um, I don't want to speak for all, (laughs) but um, yeah. So I will say that's kind of one thing that's impacted my romantic relationships that has gotten better Mm -hmm. but
1: Yeah, yeah I've definitely watched that evolution in you in being able to learn how to open up and express and talk about what you're feeling and sit in it which is not always like the most fun thing to do but I've seen how you've actually become one of the most emotional people that I know. (laughs) But I feel like you always were that person, but you just
0: didn't always feel comfortable showing it. I cry more. You definitely cry more. I let, I allow myself to cry in moments where like I'm happy or I'm sad or still when I, whenever I'm frustrated, I always cry. Whenever I'm mad, I usually always cry. But like when i am sad in the past when i was sad i would turn it into anger so i wouldn't allow myself to um be sad for long periods of time which is so unhealthy because allow yourself to sit in those moments sometimes because your you your body needs it Mm -hmm. it's like a it's like a cleanse i kind of think about it it's like when i allow myself to just sit in whatever i'm feeling and then like Cry it out, or sweat it out, or do it whatever it is. But just like allow yourself to feel that for a period of time, and then I don't know. I think there's it's healthy, and it's like for me, I feel like it's a cleanse. Mm -hmm. It cleanses me. Like you had to
1: change your mindset
0: around it. Also, that's more feminine yeah <laughs> and so we <we've>, we are <laughs> we're both people that are more masculine energies than we are feminine and we've both been practicing this past year and a half to be more feminine in our feminine energy uh-huh. um but that because also, we're just like two strong bitches so that but that also <laughs> so oh my god this is a per- another perfect impact and I think both of our childhood into relationship is we're both very 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 independent females- Uh-huh and that is all automatically just more masculine because there's like this stereotype that women constantly need men for things and we are two people that don't need fucking anybody for anything which makes us super independent which automatically brings our masculine energy out Yeah. meaning that we can do all which we don't actually want to necessarily be
1: that way but that's just how it's been and that's what we're working on Mm -hmm. unlearning certain parts of it and keeping the yeah. the parts that we do want.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's no problem. I don't think there's anything wrong with being independent.
1: No, but to the extreme you're not going to be able to let someone in.
0: Yes, absolutely. No, 100%. But... I- Which is also a defense mechanism. One that I learned from my childhood. (laughs) So I was raised to be that way. Same. I was raised like my mom being very independent, being the breadwinner, like hustling, doing all that, right? So I grew up seeing that. And then my dad has always instilled in me, don't depend on anybody Mm -hmm. for your happiness, for money, for anything. So I was raised to be that way. um, Which when you're raised that way in a time of when your brain is de- developing and forming, it, <laughs> that's who you are now. Mm-hmm. Like that is who you are. So it's like constantly every single day I have to work towards maybe not being that way as strongly. Yeah. Right. Same. Crazy. <laughs> All right, Let's hear about your childhood.
1: Um, I guess like the long and short of it is, so I was a middle child and whatever they say about being a middle child is you definitely develop the middle child syndrome where it feels like, dang, I'm not the oldest. I'm not the young youngest. I'm like the forgotten child. Um, which I don't actually feel like my parents forgot about me, but I can't really describe it. It's just something that you feel when you're in the middle. (laughs) Um, I don't have that experience. No. Honestly, thank God. I think a lot, I don't know if it was being a middle child or just like my personality, but I was always the, the peacemaker. There's any like chaos or conflict. I would always try to like mediate things, mm-hmm. um, help bring the calm back into the house, which there wasn't a lot of crazy chaos. I mean, I'm grateful for that, but there was definitely things that happened that um, I, I felt whether it was put on me or not like subconsciously I felt responsible for emotionally what was happening yeah in my household um so that's something that I've had to learn in my romantic (laughs) relationships because I have a tendency to fall into that role again of being like the, the fixer yeah and the caretaker and the mediator and Taking care of everybody and everything else first, Mm -hmm. and then me. I guess you could also call it people pleasing. Um, Yeah. I feel like I've gotten a lot better with it over the last four years. Like, once upon a time, it would be hard for me to say no to a lot of things Mm -hmm. because I never wanted to hurt people's feelings. And now I realize it's not really hurting people's feelings by saying no. Um, I'm just more so fearing that. Or if it does hurt their feelings, that's on them. Yeah. That's absolutely. not on me. So I'd say that's something that I've had to unlearn or something that definitely impacted a lot of my yeah. life.
0: I would agree to that. Just watching your relationships over the course of our entire friendship. Mm-hmm. That's something that you have too. Yeah, it is. A caretaking piece. It is. And I'm, I am get that from my mom. So the way I mirror my romantic relationships is exactly how my... Um, Basically, my mom basically being the caretaker of the relationship as a whole. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and doing everything essentially. Like the um, emotional caretaker and in some ways. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't say as not financially caretaking, just, yeah, definitely emotionally and mentally caretaking. um Yeah. And like a lot of my relationships. Which comes back to boundaries. Which, yeah. And then also is like, it's super interesting that I'm the emotional caretaking one and and mentally. Because like when I was a child, I did not get that for the shit of me. So like for me to even, and I think about that. I'm like, how do I even know what that looks like when I never experienced it myself? True. Right? But I guess it's whatever like I needed Needed. as a child. (laughs) And so I give that back. And so that's my problem in relationships is huge actually that you say that because once i start once you get too deep in that your partner becomes unattractive to you because now i feel like i'm in the role of a parent Mm -hmm. and it does it becomes unattractive i become unattracted to my my partner because it's like all right what the fuck (laughs) like
1: which is a combination of your own lack of boundaries yes and then them Needing to not be okay with being in that role. Like they have to like not want you to be in that role too.
0: And I also look for people... Not... Okay. This is the way my... Subconsciously. So my therapist basically said that no matter what you do, the universe will always have you attracted to people that need help. And the people that need help will always be attracted to you. Mm -hmm. You just have to be... In, there's other people in that that you know it's just the it, those people will al- it would always happen that's just the way the universe works yeah um essentially it's just like obviously recognizing that early on but i feel like sometimes that's really hard right because for me like i think we talked about this in a previous episode but um when i'm like i dive in for one into relationships mm-hmm. not so much anymore But I dive into relationships, I ignore red flags, and then, like, obviously, just, like, how the universe works, like, my therapist said, these people, like, now I'm emotionally, like, trying to help them or mentally trying to help them. So now I'm even deeper in that Mm -hmm. shit before it's so deep that I'm, like, how the fuck do I leave this person without breaking them, basically? Yeah. Because I feel like if I leave that everything around them is going to fall apart and there's, like, this guiltiness in me. Mm -hmm. You would feel responsible yeah, but I've one hundred percent so like I always I also get to a certain point where I start getting pissed and I start getting like resentful and I start obviously becoming unattractive to And you partner. feel taken
1: either taken for granted so or then, taken advantage yeah, of. So yeah.
0: then when I start noticing shit that's not changing and like in the relationship emotionally or mentally, the way I've been like um um trying to help them in that way. I don't I don't know how to say it without sign- sounding like a psycho, but mm-hmm. like once I start seeing like, okay, like what I'm doing for them is not working. They need more. And so I would bring that to their attention and then um kind of gets to the point. It's like when you're in a romantic relationship, yes, you're gonna have to be there for your partner and emotional and mental um uh, moments, right? Mm-hmm. Weaker moments, right? One hundred percent. You're gonna have to help your partner through those moments, but it shouldn't be an everyday thing. Yeah, you shouldn't feel like you are responsible for their emotions and their mental state mm-hmm. every single day, because at that point you're ruining your relationship as a whole. That's just from my experience, um, and I and I have experienced it in a way where um Blatantly had said like I can't do anything for you anymore. You need to go do this. Yeah, you need to go talk to someone or figure out a different way that's going to be able to help you deal with your emotions and your mental state when you, you know, aren't doing well. Like I can't be that only thing that that helps you, and that's not healthy. For it's not healthy for. First off, I should have put those boundaries up a long time ago, and I obviously realized that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I'm doing better at that. Um. But it's not healthy for your relationship. It's not healthy for the other person because in situations maybe when you're not around and they're going through something and they don't know how to deal with it.
1: Yeah. It becomes draining. So it becomes
0: codependent. Yeah. And I can't stand that shit. I can't stand codependent relationships. And I've been in one before. And yeah. Yeah. My parents aren't codependent though. So I don't really get that from my childhood. Well.
1: They're not codependent by any means. I think we have a lot of the same patterns in relationships and then we have some different patterns like when I think about my caretaking and my fixing I I realize that I got a lot of validation from the role that I played as a kid of like being the peacemaker and the mediator um, that that's kind of how I learned a lot of worth that this is something that i'm good at Mm -hmm. and so obviously that probably played a role into why i became a therapist yeah um but i've had to realize that there's like a healthy level of that and then there's an unhealthy Mm -hmm. level of that like when it anytime anything becomes at your own detriment when it is starting to drain you or when you feel like you're putting others before yourself constantly then it's like oh this this is I think it's crossed into that territory (laughs) it's
0: not good I know and we've Um, both been in relationships that are like that but we're growing we're 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 doing better
1: yes you're just supposed (laughs) to take away from each relationship like what worked and what didn't work and try to make a goal to do better in each relationship yep. as long as they're getting a little bit better I then you're doing something right obviously we <laughs> just
0: need to stop ignoring the fucking red flags when we see them that's the moral of the story
1: yeah even when I think back to my last relationship there were some things early on around like communication or just like reactions or behaviors and I was like I don't like this this doesn't feel good but I didn't know any different mm-hmm. so I I was kind of in the mindset for a lot of years in my life where it was like if you love someone you'll like, you'll figure it out mm-hmm. and I think there's like beauty in that and mm-hmm. then I also think there's some
0: fucked up <laughs> yeah shit in that too. 100% to a certain but like that just goes to so like something that my dad has and I feel like I can use this for like a lot of things in life. Something my dad has always says, sa- has said to to me and my brother was everything in moderation. Yeah, he meant that more for food, but that <laughs> <laughs> could totally be used in this situation. <laughs> everything in moderation. When you get too too much of something, it's not good for you, right? If you have too little of something, it's not good for you. Yeah. If and you're overindulging in just one thing, it's not good for you. So
1: if a relationship's taking too
0: much of your life.
1: Take up too much of your life, so yeah, you. so
0: let me know if you uh, w- this is how I always like um explain like a healthy what the easiest way to explain a healthy relationship is if you got a Sunday, okay like an ice cream sundae? ice cream Sunday, okay, you got an ice cream Sunday, let's say we pick chocolate chocolate ice cream, let's say that we put sprinkles on it, and let's say that we put a cherry on it, okay your relationship should not be the chocolate ice cream that should be you right your sprinkles should maybe like uh let's let's dab some um friends in there let's dab like our career in there let's dab some hobbies in there right your relationship should be the cherry on top of Mm -hmm. your sundae meaning that it's not the core of of who you are and what you what like right and you're not letting your cherry control the whole flavor of the the sundae yeah right the cherry is the bonus to the sunday right it makes you just uh, extra happy (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) right so that's how i always try to explain someone to someone about what a healthy relationship is as soon as you start you're in a relationship and you start realizing like all right he's not the cherry to my sunday you know what i mean Mm -hmm. then we got problems that makes a lot of sense because it it,
1: i mean a relationship is supposed to complement your life and not be your life right and I don't know about you, but I feel like for so many years, people taught us, like, look for your other half. Yeah. Like that whole phrase. I actually, I hate that phrase. Yeah, I'm trying to find my other half. You're my other half. Like, that's fucking stupid.
0: I agree. I'm that. sorry. 100%. You should
1: not be half of a person. And then you're looking for someone to be your other half. To complete you. No one is meant to complete you. I'm getting so fired up. My tongue's moving so <laughs> <I> fast. <know. laughs> no one is meant to complete you. They're meant to compliment you. And I don't care who said this in society, but like that's just, that's why so many broken people are chasing relationships to feel full. Yeah. Because you're trying to find someone to yeah. be your other half instead of, I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but no, instead but it's of so like true. being whole yourself, I mean, that whole like cliche that we all say you have to love yourself before you can love someone else, as annoying and cliche as it is, it's true because. So true. The relationship that you have with yourself is the relationship you're going to have with a romantic partner. Yeah.
0: And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, like, um, I think that's why, like, people after they get out of super, super toxic relationships, um, that they take years to like mm-hmm. heal and build themselves and then they have all these realizations or they don't and then or they, just they do don't. it again. <laughs> no, that's very true. That's very true and I mean kind of sucks for them but maybe they'll figure out. I hope they figure it out one day but um yeah, I I don't know. I always go back to the Sunday thing cuz cherry to your Sunday not the core of your Sunday it should never be the ice cream of yeah. your Sunday, right? And I always like I think they're so back to your statement of like you're finding your like your other half like I hate that as well. I look I look at it more of like like when you're in a relationship with someone you're choosing to share your life with this other person. Uh-huh. right? And he or she is choosing to share his or her life with you, right? Where it's just two people come together and just doing life together. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that also like when when people say oh two find your find your people. other half, you know what I hear? codependent mm-hmm. Same. that's why a lot of people in relationships are so fucking codependent because they live off of i can't do this without him or her yeah you can you can and we you have before yeah and, and we've <laughs>
1: been there like oh yeah in my first serious relationship when i started going to therapy afterwards i remember my therapist because i was telling her i was like Why did it feel like my whole world like flipped upside down just Mm -hmm. by this relationship ending? And she talked about a pie. She was like, draw a pie and draw the lines like where you would cut slices. Like if if you go to a bakery and they give you a pie and cut slices, you know, there's like eight slices, let's just say. Well, right now, your pie, your relationship that you were in was at least half of your pie maybe like three quarters yeah. of your pie and then the other quarter of your pie was like family and school at the time because mm-hmm. this was when I was in college or just graduated and she was like what your pie is supposed to look like yeah. is this slice is family this slice is friends yeah. this slice is school this slice is your hobbies and balance. this slice is your relationship yep. she was like your whole damn pie was that relationship yeah. that's balance and I was like damn that's true so when that relationship ended i had a quarter of a pie left Mm -hmm. and like that's why it had such a big impact on me so that's something once again that i had to learn because i have always like given my all to all of my relationships Mm -hmm. even my friendships yeah that like that's like the most fulfilling thing to me in life is having good relationships with people to my detriment so like that's the number one thing I'd say I've had to work on um I also to your point too I didn't grow up expressing feelings I mean we've talked about this already before Mm -hmm. so I had to learn how to talk about my feelings I had to learn how to even know that I was having a feeling Mm -hmm. I had to talk about I had to learn
0: how to feel how old were you my feelings (laughs) how old were you when you discovered this like 22 okay so yeah like we were around we were in our early 20s when we first recognized that like we have issues when it comes around feelings and emotions
1: yeah i mean i couldn't even cry in front of people in communication communication i mean boundaries i
0: i felt like (laughs) list goes on
1: i was good at communication when it came to resolving conflict ironically because i had the peacemaker mm, the mediator in me so mm-hmm. I never got elevated in fights or anything like I never raised my voice like, I'm always super calm um yeah it's so like I I don't run that is hot true, in that I tell way. you now
0: you need to get fucking mad <laughs>
1: I don't <laughs> run hot in that way but mine my problem is I'm like too calm sometimes yeah 100 and once again that's something I had to work on from my childhood because I learned Subconsciously, in times of chaos, stay calm. Mm-hmm. You're like the one that needs to like mm-hmm. soothe things. And I, if too many people were having emotions around me, I learned to make myself small, and so I would mm-hmm. kind of retreat inwards.
0: So those are probably overwhelming for you.
1: Yeah. So for me, I just retreat inwards when I'm having a lot of emotion. So it's yeah. really hard for like my partners because. For a long time they didn't know what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. But now I'm really good at saying this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. But sometimes it still takes me a little while to get there. <laughs>
0: 100%. And I'm the complete opposite of you. <laughs> 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 when I'm like in conflict, I'm freaking passive aggressive. I'm petty and like I'm like very like stern. Like you know that I'm pissed off, so say another thing and like piss me off more (laughs) (laughs) that's just the fire in me (laughs) but i'm doing better i'm not like i don't throw things at people or hit people i'm just very like with my words and my like face and the way like i communicate like you know that i'm so fucking pissed off that if you say another word like i could like cry chop you in the throat Like you
1: need, I feel like every podcast you talk about hitting someone or something. But I haven't, I haven't. Okay, I I haven't, I haven't, I haven't.
0: I don't hit people. I don't get in fights or anything. I'm just very like aggressive with like my words and Mm -hmm. like people can feel my vibe when I'm pissed off. I've been told like, holy shit, like you can totally feel it. Like my energy that I give off, like literally gives off. Don't fuck with me. But I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm I honestly mean, I, okay still, with I that. still feel <laughs> like you
1: stay in a certain line. Like yeah, you don't no, cross I'm not. line, no. but you just need some time. You need more
0: time oh, to come down. Oh, one hundred. And I don't think straight sometimes. Where like I have to take breaks. Um, fuck. I, I was gonna say something about what you were just saying. Um. Oh, it's kind of going along with both of this, like what you were just saying about not being able to be, um. Kind of going in, like um, inwards, when you are feeling certain ways, or like if, if around you, everybody's feeling like chaotic or whatever. You kind of go inwards and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, all you have is you, right? At the end of the day, all you have is you. And if you aren't, if you are not straight with you, there's no way that you're gonna be able to get in a relationship and juggle that. Yeah, you know you ha- and like that's saying a lot. So like if it is go to therapy go to therapy learn about your i look at therapy in a way of learning about myself how can i better myself mm-hmm. that's how i look at it because it's very intimidating when you think about therapy and it's like oh, i'm just going to unload all my shit no go there with the mindset of being like okay i need what am i what, am I, what do I need to learn about myself right there's yeah. just there's so much and like subconsciously we do we do things every day subconsciously and we don't know why we do them and it does affect our relationships mm-hmm. whether they're romantic uh, your friends, br- friends family family co-workers like anything like it does affect your relationships um and it just makes it harder on yourself and then as time goes on it's much harder because you can become more stubborn and the behaviors become more ingrained Um, yes and in who you are yeah so like i look at therapy because therapy is very intimidating i'm not gonna lie to you when i first went to therapy i had a full-blown anxiety attack in the parking lot i was so scared i didn't know what to expect i didn't even know what to talk about like i didn't have like an idea of what i wanted to talk about right and so when i went into my first session like thankfully like my therapist is awesome um and she was swearing in the session with me and getting emotional with me in the session. So mm-hmm. I connected with her very easily. Um, and she did a great job at uh, guiding and like making me discover things about myself. Yeah. And that's how I took it. I'm like, this isn't scary. I'm like literally learning myself and how I can be better for myself, not only, but also be better for like the people around me. Well, that's...
1: I mean, I feel like that's what is key because I hear from people all the time, like I... I don't have a good therapist or my therapist just listens and there's a lot of shitty ass therapists out there and that's not me like saying that I'm like an exceptional therapist but you have to have a therapist that is real and if your therapist just listens to you go see a different therapist yeah because you need someone that's going to call you out on your shit you need someone that's going to challenge you I mean Mm I a part of like make it's you going to make you too. think and a part of my like grad school experience is becoming a therapist you have to go into your own shit there's no way you you can graduate as a therapist without talking about your own childhood yeah, experiences because they have to make sure you're an ethical therapist and that you're not going to project all of your shit onto your clients yeah and so I had to like write papers on upon papers and I had to do all of this work to like yeah. learn about who I am yeah. <laughs> essentially. And so then I went to therapy and learned so many things about myself, you know, like why I'm in the relationships that I'm in, what triggers me, mm-hmm. what do I need in a relationship? Why do I struggle to let people in? Why am I overly independent mm-hmm. at times? Like... Uh, why do I push people away sometimes like why is it hard for me to feel my feelings at times like those are all things I had to learn and it was shitty and it was hard and it was scary but at the end of the day you have to do that work in order to at least make yourself
0: available to a healthy relationship and to grow yeah it's so important at the end of the day it's just about you right like Mm -hmm. I don't know And you shouldn't feel any shame around it. No. And here's the other thing too. We're talking about it like it was easy for us. (laughs) (laughs) We waited until our early twenties to like actually be aware of certain things that were going on in our, in our lives and in our relationships Mm -hmm. to even be open to the idea of going and getting help. And whenever that is for you, like. That's just how it is. If you're 30 and you discover that, that's fine. If you're 40 and you discover that, that's fine. Um, it, like it's not easy. It, it, I mean, our it's a commitment. D- and then we're still working on that every single day. Like yep. we're both 29, and we discovered this at 22, 24, I think we said, mm-hmm. um, and we're still working on it. And you should always be working on yourself every single day because, and how I look at it is, um, one, you can learn something every single day. So why can't you learn something about yourself every single day? Yeah. Right. And try to be better for yourself mm-hmm. and nobody else. And don't I try to be better for you.
1: You'll feel so connected
0: to yourself. Oh my god! And and the whole th- the moral of the story is: don't try to be better for anybody else. Try to be better for you. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, at the end of the day, all you have is you. That's all you have. Bridge. so oh sorry thanks guys for <laughs> <laughs> what tv show is that from do you remember that it's a cartoon yeah wasn't it with a, it was a creepy nerdy kid yeah and he was like always bre- <laughs> really <laughs> i think so oh okay anyways thanks guys for tuning in to in our no. fourth sorry. episode no uh, it's our third oh well, because we had the bonus we're gonna call it four okay whatever um thanks for tuning it tuning in guys um we will catch you later bye bye